Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, excited to have Heath Huffman in the house today. What up, Heath? Howdy. Oh, well, let's have him saying hello, I guess. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> he went a little uh, Western on it. That's fine. We're yeah. in the Bible Belt. That's yeah, fine. hey. Hey, there's I I used to I used to really give my dad a lot of guff for howdy. <laughs> but now I'm a howdy guy. It's a bummer. You've become a howdy one yourself. Yeah, I've 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 joined the sacred order of howdy. <laughs> uh well real quick guys, we'll give a shout out to Mint Apparel, top of the hour. Mint Apparel has what you need if you're looking for a local shop to do screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl. They can even take care of your branding and logo design needs. Check them out at mintapparel.com. That's M-E-N-T apparel.com or on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also request a quote by emailing them directly at info at mintapparel.com. Shout out to Mint Apparel. Shout out to John Knight. He's a good boy. He's one of the good ones, Heath. One of the many good ones. I totally believe you. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come out. Um, I had had uh, Alex Sanchez, the other, uh, the one of the co-hosts of uh, the Praise Down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd become such a fan of that show after hearing James Nim on it, and it was one of those things of like, man, how did I not hear about it before now? Because going back, it's like several people that I know have been on it. It's, it, it has a lot to do with this sort of spectrum of how, if you're, if you're, and this, and this doesn't, this doesn't mean everybody. This is probably there. There are certain and prominent exceptions, but there seems to be sort of a, an axis of how good are you at being funny on stuff versus how good you are at promoting <laughs> how good because, because we're just like, Oh, we just want to make a thing. We don't want to do the other work. I know that's the worst part of it. I'm yeah. like, ugh, like the work is like doing the thing, like putting the show together. Oh yeah. I love, I love, I, I, I do have, two podcasts and I have a, I do stand up. I'm, my hobby is, uh, jaw jacking as it were. And every time I've got to promote a thing, I go, ah, <laughs> the worst. Yeah. What if it's bad? You, you know, the gift of gab. Okay. Not the gift of like advertising. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't have the, I don't have the, the bones for that. I don't yeah. know. I wish I did, but I'm, it's, it's, uh, one part of it comes naturally, one part of it does not. No, you know? I feel you, man. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, I have a, kind of a background in advertising and still, like, there was a stretch where I didn't promote my episodes on Twitter for, like, two months. Gosh. And then yeah. I realized, I was like, oh, shit, I've been forgetting to put these on Twitter. Oh, I'm I'm extremely, I'm, I'm responsible for any sort of, <laughs> I'll call it listener outreach <laughs> if I was, if I was uh, to self-aggrandize, I guess. But I am rarely on time <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes two episodes of the praise down will come out and i'll be like i have to do both now and i do and i i have a good time i have a good time with it i do it on i do it on social media but i also get to go to goodtrashmedia.com and uh write a sort of miniature article about what happened and just sort of a a, a more well thought out take on the music that we discussed. Right. It's a good, it's a good debriefing for me to sort of solidify my thoughts on, on the album that we did or what have you. No. Yeah, definitely, man. And we, I kind of got, um, you know, had the opportunity to chat with Alex about 
kind of the idea and the genesis of the show. Um, but for maybe someone that didn't catch that episode or wanted to hear your take, can you talk about the idea of the praise down kind of where the idea for that show came about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was originally, uh, Alex's idea. It was not, I, I can't say that I had an equal hand in the conception in the earliest form. Uh, Alex and I were in a, a group chat on Facebook, like you tend to be when you have friends and out of nowhere, he tags me just one morning. Doesn't matter. He's, he says, Hey Heath, how, how come we haven't done a podcast where we talk about Christian music? Because we've talked a lot about it, uh, off mic. That's what I call, you know, real conversations with yeah, <laughs> ones that don't matter. Yeah. You, you know, I was having a conversation off mic with my mom <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> She told me she loves me and that was nice, but no, we, we, we talked plenty off mic sort of talking about, you know, do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, wow. And you know, we would drop a very sort of Christian rock deep cut and it's like you were talking about like feeling seen and it was, uh, the thesis of the show was kind of born out of that too, because I know where we are. I know where, I know where we grew up. Uh, a lot of, a lot of folks have, uh, grown up um, in some kind of faith practicing tradition and have since, uh, shed off the parts of it that they don't feel like they need, but they still have all these memories and all these experiences that inform who they are. And the idea that I like about it is validating and sort of celebrating those experiences or, you know, in, a, in an opposite case, uh, dunking on them and making fun yeah. of them a lot. Yeah, wasn't that fucked up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it was definitely like to the 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 biggest like selling point for the show for me personally um, was just like, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, where we're talking about it uh, before we before like when you first got here that, you know, it was this like idea. And I think it goes back to like the egocentrism of it is mm -hmm. that you don't think that anyone has had the same experience that you have had. Oh, truly. and I've heard like so many episodes where I'm like, oh, my God, like, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it just is just like validating in a way where you're like, yeah, I remember that. That was fucked up, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and my experience in my experience in the church, even though it's not something that I am actively pursuing at this uh, at the time of this recording uh, was not I wouldn't call it negative. I didn't go to I didn't go to a church where anybody who was crazy got to have a microphone. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I heard some things that I, the thing I do more often than go, Hmm, that was fucked up. Huh? The thing that I do more often is, wow. Uh, my youth pastor actually talked about that in a pretty, uh, pretty informed and delicate way. Like there was one time that he, that there was a youth group Sunday morning where uh, the subject was about drinking and essentially the, the landing he stuck was nothing wrong with it. Just don't, it, it's your relationship to things that you need to keep an eye on rather than the things that you're having a relationship with. 
Jesus. Yeah, it was cool. That is pretty like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still that's still kind of I haven't um, thrown that idea out for anything more serviceable or nuanced since then. And, and there were a lot of things like that where I uh, to bring it back. There's less of me ruminating on things that were fucked up and things that right. were kind of OK. It was neat. No, yeah, I, I definitely, and it's something that stuck out to you. I, I have a similar experience where I heard someone say, um, it was always like a big thing of of addressing like, oh my God, like, are the gays going to heaven or does, does God love the gays? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's always the gays. And I'm it's, like, really? But I heard uh, one of the, it was like a guy that was like pretty high up in the church say, um, just like his take on it was just, he said, am I going to go like to a gay pride, like rally? He's like, I probably wouldn't go to a gay pride rally. He's like, but th- does it affect my life? One iota that people decide to do that. It's like, I, me, <laughs> I being just with a hate woman, parades. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just saying like me being with a woman has, you know, no effect on them being with a man. Like it, it's not like they don't care any more that I'm with a woman than I care than they're with a man. And yeah. I always thought that was like a really like interesting take. Cause I'm like, dude, you're like pretty high up in the church. He's like a, uh, was a deacon. Yeah. Yeah. He was a deacon in the church. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh my God. To this day, I still have no idea how Protestant bureaucracy works. <laughs> he, he wasn't a woman. Let's just say that. Yeah. He was, um, <laughs> he, he was one of the, he was one of the, he was one of the no girls allowed. Right. Uh, it tears of I think church leadership. One of the things is that you can't be a woman, like you, deacons can't be women traditionally. I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in a Baptist tradition, unless they've, unless they've since downloaded some kind of patch, uh, <laughs> that, um, has allowed them to do that. Then I still think that that's the case. However, <laughs> like Methodists, I, I think you can, I think you can be, I think you can be the preacher as, as a woman in, in the Methodist tradition. What? That's tight. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I didn't grow up Methodist. I grew up Baptist. So I, I'm yeah, maybe, maybe speaking out of school somewhat, but I, I, my best understanding of the Methodist tradition is it's just more progressive, um, Southern Baptist church, um, on, on a lot of sort of key sticking points that annoy people. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was one episode of the praise down where Alex just said Methodists are just Baptists that don't hide their drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that joke. It was like, uh, Jews don't recognize what is it? It's like Jews don't recognize, recognize Christ. Catholics don't recognize something. And then, Baptists don't recognize each other at the liquor store. <laughs> I'm like, that is so true. I love a good church <laughs> joke. But no, man, it easy. is, it's a, uh, you know, like one of those things of, I found the show later on because someone I knew happened to be on it. And I find myself like backlogging, like, Ooh, I need to check out what they said about so-and-so. A lot of it's the bands too. Cause that was big for me. was like growing up and especially in church, it was like, um, Oh, well, don't listen to Eminem. Listen to KJ52. It's like the the Christian response to every like popular thing. Yeah, you know like I mean? a and I, I really I really I, I feel like I try to do my best to really take to task the the obvious agenda behind that, especially since we've covered some very good Christian bands that aren't that aren't just 
Christian whomever. They're just, oh, band Christian guys, they're songwriters. Their experience is experience through a certain lens and they don't make it your problem, you know? Right. Yeah. It's not like an agenda fueled thing. It's just like we happen to be Christians. We make music. Mm-hmm. type of thing i will i will go to bat for kj 52s new stuff being oh shit okay hey, like okay bars he came with those bars All yeah right. i mean and you know i'm 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 immune to i'm immune to this criticism of this of this sort of type now but uh, i'll say that that kj 52 has uh done some very impressive things as of late um compared to collaborations which was a pretty corny album with some really weird things in it. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, stir your breath stank. That was one bit I remember. Yeah. Doing. There's, like there's a song like a, about stinky breath. A car- like just, uh, there was, there's a song about abstinence. You, you probably listened to the episode all the way through. <laughs> there's a song about <laughs> abstinence where he sort of appears to be bragging about, uh, how much his dog fucks. <laughs> Hey man, good for yeah. him. He's like, <laughs> I love my dog. My dog lays pipe, dude. <laughs> you should see this dog. No, fuck. dog that dog fucks. Am I yeah. right? Yeah, I don't. I don't hang out with this dogs. Dog fucks. That, yeah, I. I saw him in the pound, <laughs> fucking, and I was like, no pun intended. He's going home with me. <laughs> was the pound for him? That is amazing. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> it's just, but it was just a weird sort of. <laughs> Sorry, he. He seemed to be proud of it in a way that that felt off message. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little off kilter, but yeah, we'll take it. Just weird flex, but okay, KJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other shows that you uh, is like you work on that every other week, um, along with the praise down, is paneled, mm-hmm. and that's one. Um, Alex had mentioned it, but um, can you talk about that show a little bit, like? Uh, who you do that show with and like the vibe behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I should start by saying that I am a uh, comic book novice. Uh, I barely read regular books, um, which is not something I'm proud of. However, um, I was I was approached by uh, Kyler Selby, who wanted to, again, just have this idea. Uh, he also doesn't know a whole lot about comic books, but he, he wanted me to host a thing. And so I said, yeah, well, what what do you got? And the, the thesis that was sort of born out of this, like the, the, the show that came out was a discussion about, you know, time periods and how they might've reflected what was on the author's mind when the comic was written. We talked about the authors themselves. We talked about the history of a character. If we were discussing like notable character. And, uh, after that, after we've sort of, uh, outlined the sort of, after we've outlined the idea of this book, we go into a table read and the table reads are always extremely fun. I get to do, I get to do very, uh, silly voices, sometimes very serious voices. Um, but it's, it's the amateur voice acting element is really fun. And Kyler puts a lot 
a lot of love into that show. Um, the the table reads are very atmospheric. He puts certain vocal effects on if somebody's doing like an internal monologue or uh, he, you know, adds sound effects, obviously adds some good mood music and it, and it feels very much like a sort of um, like a, like an Orson Welles radio show a little bit. Like they, before they had TV, essentially they're like, People would gather around the radio and they would yeah, like it, uh, point guard the whole thing. Like this is what's happening. This is the scene, stuff like that. Yeah, it feels like a sort of narrative tradition uh, that radio has been doing for a long time. And it's really exciting to carry that on. We brought in Cameron Brewer. We brought in Austin Bates, who are uh, my two favorite people who know entirely too much about comic books. <laughs> Cameron got his master's degree uh writing his thesis over uh over comic books fuck yeah specifically specifically over the uh i think he he told me one time and what i seem to remember is he he wrote his thesis over comparing sam wilson the falcon becoming captain america i sure hope it's sam wilson um and he compared it to the obama presidency and sort of the uh, reactionary blowback from both of those changes. It, was, it, it sounds Jesus, like a that really, sounds intense. really neat master's paper. Yeah. Yeah. He, he complained on an episode about how nobody tried really hard to write Sam Wilson very, very well. So <laughs> he bragged about thinking more about this than the people who made the book. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, in that context, probably. And Austin works down at New World Comics, which is my favorite comic book store in oh, town. Tight. And uh, he he makes these really cool tables. Uh, he he decorates he decorates tables and uh, other sort of uh, pieces of furniture, etc., with uh, comic book panels, and he sort of arranges them and collages them in really cool ways. And you can follow him on Instagram at Bates Brand. Ugh. You can follow him on Instagram <laughs> at Bates Branded Projects. Say that three times fast. Bates it's, Branded Projects. Yeah, yeah. B A T S. Branded Projects. Yeah, it's it, it's a hard one. Um, but it's but what isn't hard is seeing how good he does a job on those tables. Shout out to shout out those tables, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut it, print it. I did a good ad. That's a good plug, man. <laughs> Integrated yeah. uh, marketing. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's a native marketing or integrated. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not an ads guy. That's yeah. You. Me neither. <laughs> um, no, man. It, it's cool to see like so many creative outlets for people that want to do different things like that because mm -hmm. it's pretty two different shows. But yeah, it's cool that you get to do two different things on these you know two different outlets. Yeah, so. and we got some really fascinating feedback. What Kyler wanted is sort of happening. His idea was. He wanted to make comics more accessible to people with vision difficulties, reading difficulties, anything that might impair you from engaging with comic books. Uh, we are hoping to sort of bridge that gap, which That's is kind tight. of which is kind of the original idea, and we've and we've uh, gotten very very heartwarming feedback from those communities. And so it feels good to do what we set out to do. No, that's tight, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, as far as like being someone that wanted to like partake in that 
world, but not mm-hmm. necessarily being able to consume the media. This is like a cool way to bridge that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Very we, cool, man. Yeah. And <laughs> we, uh, we are, we are some goofy, nasty boys. So we, uh, <laughs> we release just an audiobook version in case somebody who is a kid wants to listen to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, that's good. We, we do our best to make sure <laughs> clean that shit up. We, yeah, we, we, we do our best to make sure that, uh, nobody is, barred from enjoying <laughs> comic books that's what we want the most but we we also all of our brain we're we're all comedians or ex-comedians and our brains have worms in them and we can't help ourselves so and but what's important is knowing that it's half the battle that's amazing um well i had mentioned earlier that it was cool listening like I'll listen to the to an episode of Praise Down, and every now and again you'll drop a uh, reference to a to an anime or to a show, mm-hmm. and most of the time people miss it. And I think it's hilarious because I'm like, okay, like I got that, but he's, uh, <laughs> you're who I'm doing it for. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's pretty funny that every now and again, like it'll like get by people, and I think it's just really funny because I'm like, oh, okay, well, he put that in there for me. That's yeah. what I feel like. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times the amount of times a thing is referenced and we take it on the chin and continue <laughs> on that. That happens a lot with Strong Bad too. On that podcast is very fun. Most uh, of the Homestar you, Runner ones. You I mentioned s- Homestar Runner on Alex's episode. The anime ones a lot. And it's pretty funny. <laughs> the, I, I do really appreciate when uh <laughs> when someone's like What is happening? What are you, what words are you guys <laughs> saying right now? And we have to go. We did it again. We talked about Homestar Runner on the podcast again, and then we have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guest gets mad at us, and That's we so funny. talk about the newsboys some more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had wondered about that because, you know, I'd heard you drop references about it and talk about it before. Um, I'd wondered kind of what your intro to anime was. Was it just a natural thing of, did you find it the same way I did watching Toonami after, after school or was it friends were watching it? How did you kind of get into that? I was a lot younger. Um, my, my very first introduction to anime was, uh, it was, I was getting ready for school and for some reason during getting ready to school time, they were airing Sailor Moon on WB, I think. I think it was WB. Doesn't matter. This uh, you've got an unreliable narrator here. I saw Sailor Moon in the morning on a weekday, and I thought, "Wow, what a what a neat aesthetic." I knew what the word was at the time. I did not, but um, and then I didn't see it again for years. And then, then I got into uh, Pokemon. I got the Game Boy game, as you do, Christmas of. 98, I believe. Probably, yeah, I think so. I got I got Pokemon Blue 98 and enjoyed that a bunch. And then on WB, here comes here comes Pokemon and uh, and I felt it was that thing again where all of my you know those moments you feel when you feel like everything around you is for you and it's a really sort of right. joyful thing. Yeah. It it felt that way sort of discovering the Pokemon anime and knowing when it was on and getting to enjoy it even though even though it was uh just sort of a sort of a weird <laughs> dub of a show for kids but <laughs> dog fighting for kids you mean yeah <laughs> at best <laughs> <laughs> depends on how much you think they think and feel but it's at least dog fighting for kids <laughs> michael vick's favorite anime <laughs> 
Anyway, hey, you're not um, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, there's definitely like it's funny because like I'll have people on and there's like such the staunch like divide of uh, people that either went the Digimon route or the Pokemon route, and so that's just, just always funny to me. You see here, I did both. See, that's what that's how I am. Too. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was by curious. I was. Yeah, same. I was. I was kind of. I don't know how you grew up, but I was kind of the opposite of a latchkey kid. Uh, my mom quit having a day job pretty pretty early on. I don't remember a time when she went to a, an eight to five, you know. So somebody was always home, and uh, I was under pretty strict supervision of the things I could consume, and uh, so. Enjoying Pokemon, enjoying Digimon. Digimon gets, if you can recall, weird. Right. There's a, there's an end times. Yeah. Arc in Digimon. And they literally reference like 666. And yeah, I'm they, like, what the fuck? Yeah. They, ref, they <laughs> reference the number of the beast. They reference the, uh, I, I think they reference the four horsemen. It, it's a very biblical, it's a very book of revelation. Uh, <laughs> Kind of, a, they really, they really just aped the Bible a bunch. Right on. Uh, and then uh, my my cousin, who is older than me and also uh, a narc, fucking um, cop, told on, told on me. What a cop! Didn't tell on me, but just let my mom know that they're talking about six 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 in Digimon. Wow! And then I didn't get Digimon anymore. What the fuck? Yeah, it was like a. a be cool. Uh, yeah. He's definitely a cop for sure. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he like tells your mom and your mom does that thing of like calling you by your old, Heath Huffman, you knew you shouldn't have been watching this. Mom, I'm an idiot. I'm nine. <laughs> you knew better. I didn't. I can barely read. I don't know what, what's wrong with three sixes? Who cares? <laughs> it's the three six mafia. Oh, man. That's, um, did yeah. you ever hear that thing? It was like the, there it's three sixes so everyone thought it was like demonic three six mafia yeah, yeah. i'm like come on y'all this is a bit of a reach i i heard that at a late enough time for me to go oh hell yeah and <laughs> right to on. get into three six mafia your cousin told your mom about it and yeah she's like, i don't want you listening to <laughs> three six i don't want mafia. you listening to them um no man it's uh yeah I definitely remember that because it was just so funny that like I remember being a kid and watching that and thinking, oh, my God, is this like some like some Bible stuff? Like what? What happened? Did you like you really jumped the shark? On yeah, this? it was. What a what a strange anime. Like it's very one half is an anime. The other half is uh, sort of a Hieronymus Bosch painting, <laughs> kind of like Evangelion, you yeah. know. It was very jarring. It was like, oh, they're back home from the digital world. The the digital world. They're back in the analog world, but now <laughs> it's worse. So <laughs> it was um it was a lot for me, and I don't remember being too bummed out that I couldn't watch it anymore. I was just happy to have an excuse to be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was getting tired of it anyway. Mom. I don't have to engage with this anymore. <laughs> was very uh, happy because I my 
brain couldn't handle it. It was funny to see like that because it happens to me all the time. People just it's like so polarizing that you can't watch both. I'm like, listen, I watched both. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you can drink Pepsi and Coke. Like, there's not a it's not illegal. There's no rule. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, calm down, y'all. But that's just part of like the fandom, you know what I mean? There's like you either pick one or the other, and I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm a filthy casual <laughs> yeah. when it comes to anime, I mean, so I'm like, Ew. I mean, I think it's very important to own that label. I think it's very important to, um, <laughs> essentially call those those sort of ideas of fandom on their nonsense. Sometimes, right on. like, you can either be a Pokemon person or a Digimon person. Like why? Yeah. <laughs> this seems like a this seems like a lot of work to do to enjoy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we're having fun watching these cartoons. Like, why do we have to like make it? It's almost putting like an adult thing on it. Like, yeah. I'm not making a decision about this. It's a fucking cartoon. Yeah, I'm not joining a forum to watch TV. You know. <laughs> Dead ass. One of the shows that you had mentioned uh, was one of your favorites. Um, I think Parker that I had on um, Parker Ray works here. At mm-hmm. the Tower Theater. And um, we had never really talked about Gurren Lagann before on the show. Oh, buddy. And um, he had mentioned it. And it was one that I never watched. And I watched the first couple episodes. I haven't, like, gotten back on it yet. But I liked what I saw. Um, but I'd wondered what was, like, your intro to that. And, like, what's, like, your essentially your come to Jesus talk for that show? Like, why should people check that out if they haven't watched it yet? Well, I was in college. And I just... The only reason I check anything out is I've heard enough times from enough people that I have to. Um, and the only real explanation I got was it's good. And there's not really a very serviceable or good way to explain why it's good without just <laughs> watching it. Um, it's it's 20. It's a little bit over 20 episodes. It's not going to eat up a bunch of your time. Um, and the thing that I hear a lot is, you know, people that people like you who've, who've only seen a couple of the episodes don't, it just feels like a very run of the mill pervert cartoon. And it takes a little bit of time to get going. But I think that's potentially intentional. So, the reason I say that is I had, I had watched the show all the way through and I thought, wow, this is a very good anime. Um, I feel confused about what anything was doing sort of. And so this is the only anime and, you know, one of the few pieces of media in general that I had finished and then gone to the internet to gobble up as much analysis right like what did other people think about this yeah because i i know that this is that's a thing that's like second nature to certain people but i uh am a i am a media consumer fool and sometimes i'll go (laughs) hmm pretty good and (laughs) it's pretty good and then eat i guess and probably chat but when to just not go into the internet and get into the minutia of it but but this was one of those times where i was like Oh no, so much happened in that. I've got to, I've got to organize this in my head. And I went and, and I found, you know, some YouTube videos, some write-ups and a lot of it was, uh, a lot of it was very interesting. And I, and it, 
checked it checked the right boxes for me because I feel like a lot of good anime that I like has some kind of motivational bend to it. And the thing that I the thing that I eventually ended up arriving at is like an elevator pitch for Gurren Lagann is that it's a it's a parody of Gundam <laughs> that is uh, that very quickly quits being a parody of Gundam and begins being a show about uh, exceeding every expectation placed on you possible. It's it, like a meta mech. Yeah, it, it makes it makes good anime to me makes it cool to try. And it makes it cool to be uh, emotional and vulnerable and um, care about things, if that makes sense. Yeah, that I mean, that was like the pitch to me initially was just like, uh, I've been into a couple mechs and people are like, oh, it's a mech. You should check it out. And so there's no any there's not a particular reason why I didn't finish it. It was just like one of those things of every time I have someone on, they have a show for me to check out. So mm, then I oh. watch a couple episodes and then fall off. Watch a couple episodes and something else fall mm. off. Like, oh yeah, I I, for, I forget to finish things. <laughs> constantly. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. and I'm not a huge like I'm not someone that's like considered. I would consider myself like a completionist, yeah. but I'm like, eh, I'll just I'll get to it. Um, but it was one that you know the the couple episodes I did watch were like were interesting to me enough to be like, oh, okay, I'll, I would watch this. Yeah, even like the one that I'm like I've been watching Baki on. Netflix. I've been seeing that. Still haven't seen it. Like, still haven't finished it, but like, it's really good. Oh. And I watched like six episodes in a row and then just like, meh, like fumbled at the goal line. Like, yeah, I haven't it, finished it yet. Like mm -hmm. I intend to finish it, but it was a Netflix original that I was like, eh, this looks pretty interesting. And yeah. then I watched it and I was just like, holy shit, this is like some fist of the North star type shit. Like yeah, super I, I, violent. I don't finish things I like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to get back and watch it. But, um, no, nah, man, it sounds pretty tight and like has like, you know, characters that seem compelling and like a, a good narrative seem like maybe there was like some sort of through line that you could follow through mm -hmm. to the end. And it's not too long. So it kind of yeah, checks exactly. all the boxes for me, too, though, where I'm like, OK, I'm not going to have to sit here and watch 200 episodes on something. Mm -hmm. And th there are some there are some criticisms of the show that that I think are that ultimately play as strengths of the show. A lot of characters feel sort of flat sometimes or they don't feel like they have a fully fleshed out sort of cycle of development sometimes but um i think i think a lot of good stories have have characters that are sort of static stand-ins that play foil to a protagonist or foil to another character that are there to essentially exponentially highlight that character's growth I don't know. Yeah, Big read. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is cool to just like, it's more than just like the surface level of like, this looks cool. And like, there's a lot of action. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, there is, there is plenty of that, but yeah, the action, that, but the action the feels jokey. Right. Which, so you have this, uh, you, you have this sort of visual element that's playing out the entire time that reminds you that it's a silly show it, it there, there's there's something very dualistic about it that i appreciate it's almost and i kind of mentioned earlier like meta like self-referential like the mm -hmm. funny things about this type of a uh, show mm -hmm. i guess like they're almost ready to poke fun at themselves yeah i mean it was i i i don't have offhand 
its release date, but it was in the middle of the 90s. Everybody was ready to start making fun of mecha anime. <laughs> it's been around enough and people are like, there's dumb stuff about this. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But that's what I like about it is it's just so ready to like break the fourth wall and like make fun of itself. That's like kind of the funny thing about anime. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see shows that do that and you're like, oh, okay, they're kind of playing off of that. Tro- like common tropes or yeah. they're ready to make fun of it and just like acknowledge that this is a thing that yeah, one, happens a lot. One Punch funny. Man does that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing that I think separates those two shows is uh, I feel like Gurren Lagann takes making fun of itself a lot more, a lot more seriously than, than One Punch Man. It feels they both they both achieve the goals they're setting out to do. I just admire the goal that Gurren Lagann achieves more. Right on. If that makes sense. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that, man. Um, so my hand has been burning to talk to someone about G Gundam. Oh. <laughs> I always remember that show being, because Wing was my intro. Um, yes, just cause it was, same. It was what was on Toonami, and it's funny. Actually, just the other day, someone sent me a thing. Uh, one of my buddies sent me a... When I was old, uh, today is this show's birthday or whatever. It was like 22 years ago, uh, like the other day that Endless Waltz had come out, like the OV, like the no kidding. the movie that kind of ties up uh, the, the narrative of, the yeah. of uh, Gundam Wing. And so cool. I was just like, oh my god, like it's been that long. That's amazing. But I remember watching, and I kind of like pick and choose on Gundam stuff because some of them are just like to me are just not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember just from like the point of nostalgia, Wing is not that good, but it's holds I, a place for me because it ha- I have nostalgia for it. But I, I remember G Gundam I being one that is great. I haven't revisited Gundam Wing. I will tell you that when I watched it, I was my brain was not good enough for that show yet because there was a lot of and again i have no perspective for how well they executed any of this but i can tell they were they were making a try for things like political intrigue and you know they were kind of they were kind of sorkening it a little bit and (laughs) and a lot of it was just you know tense political conversations it is i mean deeply political through line through the whole series Mm -hmm. not just that iteration yeah it's it's the gundam west wing right yeah that's what you call it (laughs) Um, that's amazing and i ended up i just ended up getting really annoyed with the show because uh i could not i could not turn toonami on and at a time when the robots fought and i got so uh burned out by it eventually my but i i wasn't ready to engage with uh material on that level so uh what worked a lot well for me was G Gundam. The reason for that, I think is because it's way more of a Saturday morning cartoon than Gundam wing is. Yeah, it was a little bit more palatable, a little mm-hmm. more easy to consume. Uh, wing did kind of have that tendency to be like super melodramatic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, eh. yeah. And you know, and that, and that's not just an anime thing, but it, yeah, it was very, there was a lot of big acting in it. Um, and there was a lot of big acting in G Gundam too, but the, but the backdrop, the setting, the, the con, the story concept was all so understandable. Like I said, it was very, it, it had a much more Saturday morning cartoon feeling to it. Like it was even still serialized, but what's an episode look like? Well, first of all, 
all the countries have the word Neo in front of them. Very, very cool. <laughs> right. very, like the word Neo is good. Um, and every, uh, just about every episode until they started tying it up and, you know, getting real weird, um, was like, oh, you know, Neo America is, uh, the, you got to fight him. Why? Eh, he's here. <laughs> Right. It was and like almost like Monster of the Week. This is the thing. Yeah, it was. Formulate. It was very Monster of the Week. Here's your bad. Um, and you got to you've got to go and fight him and he's going to look good for a little bit. And then your robo hand's going to get hot and you're going <laughs> to. You can always count. Yeah, My yeah, hand is burning. Yeah, your hand is your your hand of yours is going to burn with an awesome power and it'll tell you to defeat him. <laughs> and you and then he grabs the face and it's and there's a. There's a big orchestral overture that's very cool. Uh, still love that. <laughs> still love that song. And episode's over. Yeah, the, you could always count on the person in the in the uh, enemy suit. Oh, like and then fade into white. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever. <laughs> Amazing. No, I don't know if this got addressed in the show. Did those people get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> or were they just frustrated? Right. I think they get ejected from the suit. I could, yeah, because I was wondering, like, are they just frustrated when they're like, <laughs> when when your robots when your robot's face is getting burned off <laughs> by the protagonist robot? Does it hurt your face, or are you just like, ah, fuck, my robot's <laughs> face? Ah, I needed that. I've got to put this thing in the shop. <laughs> God, this sucks. It's so expensive to fix these damn robots. <laughs> That was one of the things, the compelling things about uh, the Gundam series in general was that a lot of the shows, um, we got like four kids dubs, especially on Toonami. Mm-hmm. But Gundam was cool because you could see like that four kids dub and there was no way around like people getting killed in that. They wouldn't explicitly yeah. show it as well, but they would show like that Saturday night block where they would show like unedited versions yeah and people would would get killed like we talked about it before like the dubs literally being different you would never hear them say kill in the during the tsunami block during the day they would mm-hmm. always say destroy yeah and uh, so that was always really interesting to me i'm like oh yeah there were i remember schoolyard rumors of how the japanese version of whatever show you're watching is like crazy or yeah. whatever well even sailor moon you'd mentioned yeah, earlier I mean, yeah the, uh two of the characters being lesbians yeah but and they're cousins in the in the toonami dub not better <laughs> uh don't do that uh, <laughs> be that's, best that's please. still yeah try to mm, why not friends <laughs> i don't know man it's just like funny to see you know they're trying to nerf it and they're trying to like police it basically because they're like oh we don't want kids to know that people are gay sometimes <laughs> like really like what <laughs> okay they're gonna find out but they're not gonna find out because of us we gotta exactly not on my watch <laughs> someone at does Funimation the good said, name of four kids dubs not mean anything to you <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's just like i think it's a good like look and like it's a microcosm of the time of what type of things they were putting out, what was okay. Yeah. Even now we got shows like, I don't necessarily like watch Steven Universe a ton, but there's a lot of things that are suggestive of like same sex stuff. I've completed three seasons. Yeah. So, I I mean, it's, I don't know that shows like that would have happened without, you know, anime being kind of 
getting into the Western audience and then getting a little bit more accepted and kind of paving the way for stuff like mm. what what I think is fascinating in a in a needed change in the way children's programming is shifting is a move away from violence, whether implied or not, and the the acceptance of of people that lead lives that don't look like yours. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very, very important. And I think, uh, sort of like, a, like a much needed education for, for children to grow up in this time or any to, you know, first off be accepting second off, don't be cool with, with the amount of violence that you see all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so. like one of those things, as much violence as we saw, it kind of is a testament to now how desensitized we are to things that we consume now. I feel resensitized really? to violence, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, I'm also not an avid uh, watcher of anything because I'm very bad. Um, but I think, I think you're a, uh, I think there's a sort of like deprogramming that that occurs because we were we grew up during the Wild West. Oh, yeah. Portion of the Internet. And um, and, you know, I work I work at a, at a at a law firm that that does personal injury law. The other and the other day um, I was handed a case and uh, I accidentally because I was looking for. Uh, some kind of official documentation, but I got photos of a, of a fucked up foot. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, those photos are important to the case, but I'm like, ah, didn't want to see, <laughs> right. Didn't want to see a mangled foot today. That sort of thing. So I feel you, man. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I think in a way it was like, we were, it was literally like the wild west. And now like kind of the time we're in now, it's like less okay for things to fly type of thing. Yeah. Which I'm, which I'm fine with. If you if you need to see, you know, things that I would disagree with you <laughs> needing to see online, right. then it's not illegal, and there are ways to get to it. But also, maybe examine your behaviors and right. find out why uh, why you need to see you know car wreck photos for fun or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember just like that being the nature of like. We're in middle school or whatever, and let's go to Rotten.com. And I'm like, ooh, now seeing that gross stuff, I'm like, I can never unsee that stuff. Yeah. So now I'm like, eh, I'm okay. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I don't I, have to see someone's hand caught in a meat grinder. I was watching Homestar Runner instead. And yeah. Who probably had a better time, to be honest? That's over. <laughs> now I remember watching Teen Girl Squad um, and thinking, what is this? But then just like was that was that your introduction? Yeah. Yeah. And, same. Not, and not being able to stop saying arrowed like <laughs> Ow, my stomach lining. You could yeah. be burnt or dead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me so long to figure out that there was more of there's that there was more than that came from after seeing Teen Girl Squad. <laughs> Because the kids that I got it from were like, oh, you got to watch Teen Girl Squad. And I was and I did. And I was like, this is cool. Is this all there is? <laughs> is this that is, it, though? Because there's like four of these. <laughs> <laughs> and I need more of them. Oh, yeah. Like when I first like found that stuff, I'm like, OK, I need to mainline everything I can find on this. Oh, yeah. Like this is amazing. Oh, 
it was awesome. And I, after, after just shooting Homestar Runner directly into my veins for all of sixth grade, <laughs> I went to Michigan to see my extended family and all my other cousins had seen Homestar Runner. And we were, we must've been the most insufferable children that year. Oh my God. Those voices. Uh, but, but man, if I didn't have a good time <laughs> with those people, I was like, ah, they get me. And this is, this is my personality right well, now. Yeah, Perfect. Like the, yeah. The thing of what we were talking about earlier of like, when someone else has seen something that you've seen that you didn't know that I thought this yeah. was my thing, but you know that too, this is tight. Yeah. And I, I think we had talked to, I had talked to Alex when I had him on about it. It was like, it seemed like that like Homestar Runner had been sent to every youth pastor that was heading to false Creek that year. Cause when we went, it was like Homestar Runner references everywhere. And yep. my, my youth pastor had a, a strong bad hoodie. It was like, had a hoodie. <laughs> it just had strong bad's face on it. And he was getting like hella love, like left and right for it. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Our youth pastors were truly like on the smooth tip in middle school, <laughs> you know, um, not in a way that I'd seen after that. There was a one time I was coming back from church camp and not a youth pastor, but just another a, an older uh, an older youth group member. Uh, she had a it's going to blow your head off a Homestar Runner themed Reliant K t-shirt. What? Yeah. It exists. Like my two favorite things at that time in one. The logo R star K. Wow. Yeah. And I, I was, I was slow on everything. So despite being, uh, uh, America's number one Christian at the time, I had not listened to Reliant (laughs) K yet. And I was like, what's that? And she said, it's a Reliant K t-shirt. And I said, Cool, it's like Homestar Runner. And then I went and listened to Reliant K, and that love affair began. And they're big fans of yeah, uh, Homestar Runner, obviously. Yeah. Matt Thiessen is weirdly pretty solid on Twitter. He's he like, yeah, one of those things. He's very a very funny, intelligent guy. He, I mean, his, his lyrics are goofy. Right. And his sense of humor is very in line with the way he writes songs. Right. Uh, lots of, lots of punny stuff. I don't know. They're a funny band. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, just the, the covers that they do and like just the antics they get into are funny. I saw Reliant K at Rose State College. Really? Um, cool. I have to admit, I wasn't, I was mostly there to see Copeland because Copeland opened mm-hmm. and a, a band that I was super into at the time named Barcelona and then uh Reliant K was a headliner I think I remember listening to Barcelona but I can't can't say for sure that sounds extremely extremely familiar yeah they're Uh, great man um mm -hmm. they're from Seattle it's like super um I don't know like very piano driven um get like hints of death cab in there but that the very the 2009 sound yeah yeah exactly you know yeah yeah, you know yeah we all heard the fray and for 20 minutes we were like oh the fray rules (laughs) and then we heard how to save a life 600 times and we said "Ah, this this doesn't rip um (laughs) and then death cab for cutie said don't worry we we got you we we don't rip but we're sad here's transatlanticism yeah and uh and I, I put that in the document, but big, big <laughs> high school death cab head. Hey, who wasn't? Though? Yeah, it's that time. man. Yeah, Everybody but, was super into dashboard and all that shit at that time. Um, I like dashboard 
okay. I, I had sort of, I had sort of, uh, missed emo in general for, um, what I would call image obsessive reasons. Cause the people that, uh, the people that made fun of emo kids got to me before emo kids did. Right. And that's the only reason that happened. I think. So you jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. Thing. I was like, I love feeling better than people. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, like all of these shows that we found at times where that was like our shit. Mm-hmm. That's like how emo was like hit me at a time where it was like, I thought that I should have been angsty and like emotional and stuff. And yeah. So and I, along and comes I mean, this music genre that seems to relate to how I'm feeling. Yeah. And I mean, we were angsty and emotional, but we didn't have, we didn't have the words and images to put to it. And we needed that. You know what I mean? So one thing that I had, and I'm not trying to cover every single thing that me and Alex talked about. Oh, no worries. But there's a lot of crossover. I mean, you guys kind of enjoy similar things. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I think it was with him that I ended up talking. Actually, that was a different person. Um, I talked to a guest recently about Brave Saint Saturn. And I don't hey, know if you yeah. were into those guys. Okay. Because it was uh, kind of a, you had said that Christian Ska, and I was like, this is kind of a bold conclusion to jump to, but maybe he was in the yeah, hey, Saturn. Yeah. Um, what, what makes, what, what's more, uh, I guess, concise than me saying I was just into Christian skies that I was into whatever Reese Roper was doing right. for <laughs> three years of my young life. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, I will still go to bat for Reese Roper and his good friends in that band. Uh, they're, uh, they, they haven't disappointed me on a personal level yet. Um, <laughs> granted is five iron frenzy, a sort of in is sort of like guilty pleasure territory for me. Absolutely. Oh yeah. But also five iron frenzy, uh, wrote songs about why cops are bad. They wrote songs about, um, how bad we should feel for, uh, participating and, and covering up the Native American genocide. They wrote like three or four songs about that. Um, and it wasn't, and it wasn't cute and it wasn't, um, there was no like sort of tee hee hee. What are we talking about? Element. One of the lyrics was one of the, here's a fire and frenzy lyric. Uh, how many people can you kill? Look at your $20 bill. Damn. Yeah. Like, Them's the they were fucking around. No, bro. they absolutely were not. Like, yeah, they wrote they wrote a song about different strokes, also, and a song about why Canada is cool, um, <laughs> and and most notably, uh, Reese wrote a sad song about losing a comb on a road trip when he was seven or something. But <laughs> so you got both things running. The, yeah, both yeah. ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're a really good band. I listen to Brave Saint Saturn. I listen to uh, Roper also. If you remember, that was uh, Reese's pop punk right. band, kind of crossover type thing. Yeah, and what else did I listen to? I listen to Nathan and Steven, which uh, uh, Leonor and uh, Micah uh, started, and they eventually started going by Hearts of Palm. This is also MySpace, so it was also really easy to follow. Um, it was somehow easier with MySpace to follow these bands nobody's ever heard of. It's right. somehow, it's 
it's somehow more difficult now. I don't know. No, you're. I think yeah. you're right, man. There's mm-hmm. bands like Limbeck that I heard about on MySpace or mm-hmm. Qantas Never Crashed. Mm-hmm. Just these obscure fucking bands that people's eyes glaze over when I talk about. They're like, what are you talking about? But especially things like Five Iron Frenzy, Brave Saint Saturn. Brave Saint Saturn actually got a burned CD from a friend of mine who was like yeah. a Church of Christer who like was like the biggest rule follower, but somehow was like into introduced me to a lot of amazing music by just giving me a bunch of like random burn cds that he had mm-hmm. i got is this it by the strokes from him cool. i got uh i always remember that brave saint saturn album though specifically that song daylight yeah it's I'm uh, like holy shit this is like five iron frenzy meets like angels and airwaves or something it's really good it's uh if Super i recall spacey. if i recall correctly it's a rock opera yeah and the I mean, if, if you just consider it as sort of just like a linear concept, like a rock opera is, the ending is, uh, is, uh, it resolves things in a very big, grandiose way, lots of fanfare. And it's, and it's got like a really, it's got a lot of really cool ballads. And I was just starting to give a shit about space. It came at the right time. Right. And, uh, I don't know. Big fan of Brave Saint Saturn. I actually, I say that I I think they made a second album and I haven't listened. No, to it. yeah, I mean yeah. that was like I think it was just like the way the exact way you put it, like that that I had that album hit me like right when it happened to check all those boxes because I was super into Angels and Airwaves at the time, which has always been like Tom DeLonge is huge into like aliens and space and like mm-hmm. that whole vibe and their whole sound is pretty evident of that. Yeah, and then being into like stuff like fire iron frenzy or like real big fish or mm-hmm. whatever was just around at that time. And kind of like that album being an, amalg- an amalgamation of those styles, mm-hmm. like hitting me right at the right time. But it was like one of those things where I didn't dislike the band. I just never checked out the next thing that they did. It was like, yeah, it's, it wasn't relevant to me. Anymore. Yeah. We had already, we forget to check out things that we would probably like all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I should, I should do my due diligence and check out the second Brave Saint Saturn. That's what I've learned about myself. <laughs> That's our homework for the week. Yeah. Listener, check out the second Brave Saint Saturn album. <laughs> check back next week and, and I'll go to church. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. We say as we record on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord's Day. We're not supposed to be working today. What the fuck? Hey, 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 baby, this ain't work. God damn it, Heath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when do you do what you love? Um, nah, dude, Five Iron Frenzy, I was stoked to see you talk about that. Um, the format was a band that I was super fucking into. Dog Problems, still one of my favorite albums of all time. The Dog Problems is still, so I, my, my relationship with the format has, has sort of blended into a very compartmentalized place in my mind. Every, every time it's spring for good. I get back into the format for no. Yeah. For a week. It's just good. Like feel good. Real. I don't know what it is. Just like good poppy indie Rocky type shit. Like mm-hmm. it's I, just a good album. She doesn't get it. Still bops. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the first, the first album they did, uh, this, uh cause a scene. That's the first track off there. Still like that. Um, I can't remember a lick about the rest of their first album. I think I have pretty specific memories about 
about just about everything on dog problems. I remember feeling like this is, uh, I, I hadn't experienced a record exactly like that. I hadn't engaged with something that way before because five iron was goofy and they talked about serious stuff sometimes, but it was a lot more political, a lot more politically honest or they were, or just talking about, you know, Canada or like, uh, dandelions or whatever like subject you know? matter. Yeah. Just like very goof core type stuff. <laughs> um, but this was like the first time I was like, oh, this is a very emotionally honest record and I am ready for it. Whoa. Whoa. Feelings. You know, um, I it it felt it felt more like a celebration of feelings than I had uh, previously encountered, I suppose. Right. Uh, and so it's not it's not even like a tradition. It's just something my my body wants every time it's spring i'm like oh it's dog problems time right i've got a specific craving and it's for dog problems no i mean there's i think where there is like that phenomenon of for some reason music being tied to just the way that i experience it that is in that same way when it's like the certain climate or something going on in my life certain season of life Mm -hmm. i'm like oh i need to like check i need to play that again yeah every time is, it's summer i play phantom planet because i love phantom planet <sighs> and i was super into stuff like that and rooney mm-hmm. around that time and i'm like okay this, this is just like my soundtrack for the summer like forever when yeah. it's like rainy I, out i, I always want to listen like get, stuff like barcelona guess and Death i'm Gap. locking it in yeah I, uh <laughs> lately my um my my music taste is uh, in shambles it's bad um because <laughs> i just listen to uh youtube dj mixes my God. Trapping in Japan, one through 13. Trapping in Brazil, trapping in heaven. Trapping uh, in heaven. It's, I can't, I can't defend it, but it's extremely good. It's, <laughs> they're just, it's not an album. It's just, you know, DJ mixes that are like an hour and change long. Right. And, you know, songs you recognize kind of interpolate in and out and, it has sort of a post vaporwave backdrop. It's neat, you know? No, I feel you, man. Um, one band that you had mentioned was one that, one of those ones where like, I felt like no one else really was like super into explosions in the sky when I was into them. Mm -hmm. But I still find myself listening to that. If I'm like on a long drive or if I just want to unwind or if I'm like doing something that takes a lot of concentration where I don't want to listen to music or, Mm-hmm. that has words or like a podcast. Yeah. Um, just that from West Texas type shit, uh, your hand in mine, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that is just like iconic to like, when I hear it, I'm like, man, I remember exactly where I was in high school when I heard that. Yeah. It's uh it's football emo is what it I really is. Yeah. Friday night lights. It's, it's an emo football movie, <laughs> <laughs> but that soundtrack's like the, it fits so well with that movie. And an emo football TV show, but yes, you're correct. Yeah. I don't. Did they do the music for the show? There, because uh, I thought it was like a, a a bizarro explosion in the sky. That did it for the show? If that's true, I absolutely believe that. However, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us has done our due diligence. We'll ex- uh, 
Just throw that disclaimer out I am, now. I am allergic to research. <laughs> I will not do it. <laughs> you can't make me do research. What is this, school? <laughs> yeah, man, I thought we were having fun here. Yeah. Um, but no, what was what me. was your intro to Explosions in the Sky? Was that just a, a, I a was, natural thing of like what you're consuming at the time or what? I was transitioning out of uh, my musical diet consisting primarily of Christian music. And it felt like Christian rock methadone to me. Uh, I'm like, oh, no words? I can just assign whatever meaning goes here. Like I wasn't done being a Christian yet, but I also, I also needed something. Uh, I needed something at the time that wasn't too concerned with telling me what it was. Right. I just needed something that was, if that makes sense. And, and post-rock in general, uh, kind of did that. I, I'd gotten into, I'd gotten into Cigarros and then through Cigarros, I'd gotten into explosions in the sky kind of, started enjoying that particular, uh, branch of post-rock a lot more. Um, listen to explosions in the sky a bunch. I, uh, I was a, I was a high school jogger, which is strange. So I was like, Oh, like cross country type thing or, no. or just for fun. Like yeah. I was, jog. I was never a high school athlete. I was in marching band. Right. Um, but, but I somehow started liking running uh, somewhere around my sophomore year of high school. And I ran for about four years after that pretty religiously. Uh, and, and I had started putting explosions in the sky on and running and it was, it felt like a very contemplative fucking epic running soundtrack. Yeah. (laughs) I, 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 I maybe sort of narcissistically got into, um, film scoring my own life a bunch and, uh, I think everybody's done that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a narcissistic streak in each of us, I think, yeah. but that was just the way mine manifested. Right. Through that, I got to, this will destroy you, which is the other, to mention them, the yeah. other, the other football emo band, <laughs> um, the and, room they were in that, <laughs> that movie, the room, yeah. American football, not a football emo band, just an emo band. <laughs> They're from Chicago. What do they know about football? Well, they have a team or whatever, but shut up. <laughs> <laughs> not like Texas, not not the. I mean, that's a religion in te- in Texas. Though. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. That movie is not too far from life as far as like how important the importance no. people place on that. Yeah, I mean, I I love a good story about um, that pretends to be about sports to make all the all the jocks and their dads <laughs> come, and the movie's just actually about. Dads are bad How sometimes. Fucked, uh, yeah. Sports are. Yeah. Hey, you're a bad dad if you're like this. And it was a very admirable bait and switch to me. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, there's definitely like that. You know, that I should have been more, and so now I have a kid, mm-hmm. and I want him to fulfill my dreams, type of thing. Yeah, but you got to be cool. <laughs> you know, you got to. Movies intense. Yeah, though. movies a little like hammering you on the head with it. Oh yeah, I mean it's. It's Tim got McGraw, right? Gundam Wayne melodrama. <laughs> really? Tim McGraw was... Yeah, he was the dad in that movie. Oh, uh, Mr. Refried Dreams himself. <laughs> you know about Refried Dreams, Harold? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's got a song called Refried Dreams. <laughs> Elaborate. Um, I will do my best. It's about... <laughs> I think... And... We have already established that I refuse. No due diligence has I, gone into this. I refuse to do research. <laughs> so here we go. 
Um, hi, this is Heath's ass talking. <laughs> He's talking out of his ass at this point. Um, Tim McGraw writes a song called Refried Dreams about, uh, about his either fictitious or real time in Mexico and uh, having a, uh, a Latin lover and thought it was somehow cute or funny to call it Refried Dreams. That's amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah, I wow. know a lot more about Truck Yeah. Do you know about Truck Yeah? <laughs> Is that Tim McGraw, too? Yeah, Tim McGraw wrote a song called Truck My Yeah. God. He's a Matt Thiessen of uh, country. Basically. He's <laughs> I've always, I've said that for years, actually. He's, you know what? I love that because Truck Yeah is... <laughs> um, is a is an i is a real irony staple in my friend circle. Um, there's a very good there's a very good riff at the top, and it's all about how much you know you know every country song is is, is uh, talking about how much they love their truck. Right. This is the only song that really makes me believe it. You know. <laughs> he he took the time to put that pun at the at the. The very front, man. The title, Truck Yeah. Yeah. He says, he says Truck Yeah a lot. And he says, I, if y'all think you love your truck, you haven't seen the way I love my truck. <laughs> I'm not having sex with my truck. I just, it's platonic. And also if you, there's also something at the chorus where he's like, if you think I'm not country anymore because I, because uh, I look like uh a very slick and shiny bald uh, Olympic diver, then truck you for it. <laughs> truck off, pal. Yeah, I'm still country. I'm just shiny now. Go truck yourself. I look like a skin colored Frieza now. I'm Tim <laughs> McGraw, but I'm still country. God. That's amazing. I bathe in whale oil, but I'm still country. <laughs> He's just because he's used to the finer things in life. He can't be country anymore. He's the most reflective human being. He's like <laughs> becoming the silver surfer. <laughs> Which is very good, might I add. Very nice tie-in. Yeah, you can't fit a board in a truck like that. He might be. <laughs> well, a friend of the show, I know you guys have had Jarvix on your show a couple times, um, but I was actually mm -hmm. just lucky enough to have him on my show recently. And it's been kind of a funny thing because, like, I'm actually also a big fan of boys' podcast, Robbie yeah, and Josh. Yeah, And I, so it was, like, this weird thing of, like, uh, Alex was on my show and then he was on boys. And then Jarvix was on your show then he was on mine. It was, like, mm -hmm. we're all kind of, like, jumping around here. And then, gosh, I can't remember how long ago, but I was on boys. Yeah, I remember that episode. Uh, with Christopher. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty early on, Yeah, too. it was. Uh, it was, like, a 50-something, I think. I don't think I was on until after a hundred. They like scrape the bottom of the yeah. barrel, so they're finally like, "Ah, oh, we'll bring him in." <laughs> it's <laughs> it's something to never take personally. I'm Not just yet. always 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 happy to be included and happy right. to include others. It's just uh, you know, it's a mental proximity, and you go, ah, "Geez, how did I?" Well, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say that's exactly what happened with Jarvix. Is I've been mm -hmm. meaning to have him on for since last year. Yeah, and then just. I got a new job and like just the minutia of like everyday life. Like I would have someone on and schedule them. Then he would kind of fall back on the list and then finally was able to get him on. Yeah. You've got a pile of papers on your brain desk and sometimes life puts something on top. Right. Exactly. So it, keeps it was just cool. Like that was the episode, the most recent episode that Jarvix was on, on your show at the, at the time of this recording was the Christmas episode. Yeah. Dracula, Dracula so revolution. Funny. Oh my God. It was so good. That's, uh, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't play favorites, but I, I, there was a, there was a moment on that podcast <laughs> that I, um, am going to just, that I'm putting in my top three all oh, time yeah. moments on Mike, which is, uh, uh, Alex's sister, Olivia calling him and him answering in character is Dracula Claus only for her to reveal <laughs> that there, that he's on speakerphone at an IHOP. Right. <laughs> I couldn't believe I, how funny that was. I was like, this is incredible. It's. And uh, a little peek behind the curtain. Jarvix gave me a little like a uh, tidbit that you guys had actually. Um, something had happened to where you guys had started a little bit later than you were supposed to. Mm-hmm. So it was just like perfectly timed out to where that she would call at that time. Like it was just like a happenstance of if it had been any later or earlier, you would have missed, she would have missed that window. Oh yeah. If we were, um, if we were having a responsible day, we wouldn't have gotten that moment. Which is incredible. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. So it was kind of a cool little like peek behind the curtain. Hilariously. Able to tell us about. Yeah. And Jarvix is, uh, I'm sure you had the same experience with him but he he really goes above and beyond as a guest on shows i felt underprepared for my own show yeah i was like what the fuck yeah he brought us earth suit uh way back when and i wasn't prepared for the amount of like longitudinal knowledge that jarvix had about earth suit yeah and you know we got attention from uh we didn't get attention from paul meany he's in mute math but we got we got attention from the uh, like DK or something. Yeah, we got we got attention from. I'm so bad. I refuse to do research. Um, the the other guy in uh, Earth suit that uh, broke off and wasn't in meat oh, math. Oh, DK was in meat math. Fuck. Yeah, my bad. it was. Uh, I don't remember well, either. You know, it's he he's good. The guy that the guy that wrapped in Earth suit. Right. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. He like was, liked the episode or. Yeah, he liked the episode and very and neat. We had, a, we had a fun time. Um, and then he, he brought us this very, um, weird Michael W. Smith record that, um, made me think very different, differently about Michael W. Smith, a guy that I thought was the normalist guy in Christian music or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like a, a, a real, um, a real John Cena of Christian music, you know, right. very normal, very reliable, big believes in the business you like know one trick pony type guy but he was yeah, actually he, had more depth to him from what you, yeah, you guys covered in Jarvis's um, episode because because that that christmas album imaginative imaginatively titled christmas <laughs> uh showed up in 89 i was a 91 kid Same. and so the only michael w smith i ever ever really engaged with was uh you know the Christian contemporary yeah. a friend's edition. a friend forever the Lord's Lord of them that one and just um what I would call very normal Christian jams some dove worthy stuff yeah I mean by the time I had started like under understanding who Michael W Smith was on like a name basis he was uh he was off on his worship kick and he's and he's basically just been poppy the entire time that I've ever known about him. But, you know, a few couple of years before I was born, he was doing some very experimental, yeah. trying to really trying to really branch out in whatever way was available to him that I really 
thought was cool. That was tight. Yeah, we weren't, me and you, we're both 91 babies, so we weren't mm-hmm. quite on the scene yet, but it is cool to hear about some stuff like that, because I didn't know that he had any kind of depth to him like that. Yeah. And it was almost as like some like composer type shit. Yeah. I, I didn't know he had it in him, to be honest, and it's just sort of weird how uh, people's careers change like that. I kind of wonder how bad he uh, misses that esoteric stuff that he used to get to do. Yeah. I feel um, like I would. Yeah. I mean, it probably is like quite a difference and he probably, I don't know, seemed like a passion thing because he put it, it seemed like it was something he put a lot of work into. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if he's like ever trying to get back into that or if he just was like, that was that season and I don't do that anymore type of thing. I don't know. Yeah. He, uh, he seems to be sort of following, you know, big contemporary acts a little bit. Jarvik's mentioned that he kind of sounds like Maroon 5 now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's he's got some kind of slick new album and a, and a logo that I know revolves around the W in his name, which it's been done, buddy. We had a president who did that. <laughs> w. Yeah, Michael W. Bush. <laughs> Or Smith. <laughs> um, was there any, uh, I know you'd mentioned like Jarvix was like, uh, been a fan of the show and like friend of the show. Um, is there any other kind of like local musician types that you have like been wanting to either talk to or that you're into just personally, like consuming their music or anything like that? I, I can tell you the ones that I've worked with. Like I said, I'm, I am a, uh, I am a grievously bad enjoyer of things in general. Right. Um, but, and that, uh, that unless it's local comedy, that often extends to local things. But I can, uh, I can tell you, I can tell you the folks I've worked with and I can tell you that, that they're good folks. Um, uh, we, I used to do a thing called Sad Boys, which um, is a lot to explain jumping up to this um the best thing that my elevator pitch after the fact for sad boys is a bad community theater by untrained local comedians right um but we we did a show um with uh and and we we had a don't blink or you die play right um the very cool. The Game Boy Man, the chip tunes. Yeah. The local chip tune uh, buff. Um, yeah, Nathan's really cool. Um, obviously, Jarvix. He put us. He put Alex and I on the main stage at Norman Music Festival. You heard that? Jesus, no. Yeah. Uh, That's tight. Yeah. What were we doing? Puppets. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we, uh, all three of us, Alex Jarvix and I, found out that we all have backgrounds in uh, the. The noble craft of Christian puppetry. Amazing. Yeah. So we, uh, we got to be, we got to be puppets on the main stage at Norman Music Festival. Apparently, I only learned this after the fact. Tune Yards was there. (laughs) And, uh, so, so Tune Yards got to watch me. (laughs) Your puppeteer work, man. Do, do puppets, which, which hell yeah like i'm really happy to do that um <laughs> finally who i would uh who i would recommend folks check out is uh 
actually, uh, my only my only friend from high school that I actively maintain a friendship with at this point it's uh, it's Ben France. Uh, he used to play. I used to play in a. I used to play when they called when he when the band was called uh, Ben France and the Calico Band. I played drums bad um, <laughs> because I did it because I wanted uh, Ben to find a drummer that he could keep. <laughs> I did it because I love my friends and I wanted to be polite. Um, then they, they changed their name to Lotse, uh, who, which more people might recognize. And I think he's just going by his own name right now, Ben France. Uh, he's a very, very talented songwriter and we're very good friends. That's cool, man. I mean, there's just so much going on and, um, you know, there's such a, to me, it seems like such a collaborative scene as far as like, if you're wanting to do cool shit, like there's a lot of people around that are like, yeah, like let's do it. Let's see if we can like pull this off type of thing. And I wondered if that was kind of like your, the same vibe you got, um, as far as like doing like comedy around town, like what's the difference now? Like you think now from when you're, it's like doing from the standpoint of comedy versus when you first started. It's a lot less scary. Mostly. Uh, I was, I started in, June 2015 and uh everybody and and this might not this might not have changed but everybody seems either very cool or very sad right that's probably any art scene in general you're either you're either cool or sad um but I you know the amount of comedy I do is in a very constant state of flux depending on my involvement level, my, my spoons, like my energy that I have, um, you know, how much, how much of my energy is like being diverted to podcasts, but I, I'm still, I'm still doing comedy. I'm still there. And I've made, I've made like the best friends that I've ever had in my life, full stop doing comedy. And I think that's a very, um, it's a very special and very important thing to me. And everybody, um, everybody is always down to put something together and it's okay if I'm not down and, um, it's okay if anybody else isn't down, just whoever's down gets together, makes a thing. And I really like that sort of idea. Um, nobody's, there are no sort of expectations about, uh, create like, us being technically creatives as comics, um, burning the candle at both ends. Cause I've, because I imagine just anybody, anybody who makes stuff is sort of dealt with these people that either, uh, I would say fetishize or like take advantage of or expect, uh, people to just like artists to be these, constantly tired, tortured people. And I'm, I'm happy to be in a circle of people that doesn't really buy into that. Right. Yeah. Oh man, for sure. I mean, there's just so much, I don't know. It's just, I think about this, like Oklahoma city when I was in high school, like versus how it is now. And it's just like, 
man, there's just like always stuff going on. There's always like some cool stuff that someone's mm-hmm. putting on or some cool event popping up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so tight. Like that's so people are so willing to like go out and like do stuff and yeah. and bring people along and hey, you want to get be a part of this? You want to get in on this type of thing? Yeah, I mean, there have been plenty of situations with, uh, especially sad boys where we would reach out to non-comics or friends we know and we just say, hey, do you want to, do you want to do something we think that you would be very perfect for on stage? Sometimes they say no, <laughs> which is which fine. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. But I, I, I love uh, having that sort of executive power to include people that uh, um, didn't really see themselves doing it or or whatever. Like we we worked pretty we worked pretty closely in tandem on these shows with, uh, the poetry scene here actually. And, uh, poets are, poets are weird, funny people. A lot like comics, just, um, you know, they're more, they, they say things more vulnerably. I don't know. But, um, I love, I love that idea of, of bringing people together and keeping people in mind who would be good for good for a thing that, I think they would enjoy doing. Right. And this might, this might bum certain people out, but I think it's a really great thing that you don't have to feel like you're the only person doing something here, you know? Yeah. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to have to, uh, live somewhere smaller and be the only, be the only stand up comic in, you know, Ida Bell, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause that would be, that'd be exhausting. It'd be hard. And thankless. Yeah. No, I think it is like nice that it's, you know, big enough that people, there's like plenty of things going on, but not to the point where it's just like crazy, like saturated dog eat dog type of thing. Yeah. I hear, um, I hear New York stories and I hear LA stories and it sounds extremely exhausting. So I, I kind of have to contend with this idea of how bad do I want it? That kind of thing. But I think, I think that's the wrong question to ask. I don't think there are a lot of situations where that's the right question to ask because again, there's this like, there's this romanticization of people sacrificing so much for doing the thing that they want to do, which is a, it's a premise I don't agree with because taking care of yourself is part of, is part of doing the thing you want to do. It's not, it's not something separate. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that's a narrative that's, sort of put in place for, uh, people with resources to, um, increase the labor value of creatives personally, but whatever socialism will win. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right, man. And it's just, I don't know. I think we're just in an interesting time and I'm excited to see like the things that come about, especially this year. Cause I feel like there are so many cool things that happened in 2018. Like I'm stoked to see mm-hmm. what happens this year. Like as far as like people coming together and collaborating on stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, on the praise down, we're, we're collaborating with a, with a good friend of mine who, uh, 
is a very good slam poet in town and we're we're uh working on the writing for for our uh next year of high concept praise down weirdness and it, it feels good to have it feels i don't know it it's kind of a weird satisfying feeling the feeling of assembling a team or a feeling of uh coming together as part of an assembled team i love i i love uh I love that process and I love that feeling like we've been you're either handpicking people to make your thing happen or you've been handpicked to make somebody else's thing happen. Right. At the end of the day, I'm just down to make a thing. Right. Down to clown. <laughs> yes. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm always I'm I'm notably always DTC. <laughs> yeah. Keith Huffman, comma DTC. It's your <laughs> title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had to go had to take had to go to lots of school for that one. <laughs> Dr. Heath Huffman, DTC. <laughs> nah man. Well, Heath, I appreciate your time man coming through and uh, chatting with me about you know music and anime and all that good stuff. Uh why don't you tell people where they could follow like your projects, follow the praise down, stuff like that. Yeah, certainly. Uh well I'll start I'll start with where you can reach out to me personally. Uh I'm on Twitter at premium thinker like free thinker, but you paid for it. And, uh, uh, I'm on Instagram at ASMR man cave. Uh, and you can find the praise down on Twitter at the praise down. We're also available on Apple podcasts or whatever your, uh, preferred medicinal podcast dispensary is. You can find paneled podcast on Twitter and Instagram at paneled. That's panel with an ED podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle. And you can reach out to either of those, either of those on the praise down at gmail.com or paneled podcast at gmail.com respectively. And, uh, as far as shows, I don't know what I'll be booked on when this episode airs. However, if you want to find out where I will be booked and where I would like for you to go to, uh, bask in my comedy glory, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram or you can look me up on Facebook. I would strongly advise you look me up on Facebook in order to get that information because that's where I definitely do it. Tight. Cool, man. Well, again, thanks for the time, uh, for coming out. Um, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media, tunes, tunes, podcast, T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, Heath. Hey, thank you so much. I had a great time. <laughs>